0: Hey, welcome to Christ Church. We're glad you're here. I'm excited. Uh-oh. I feel very cool. It's, it's, yeah, it's NFL football at its best. Uh, it actually, the sermon's called, uh, it, it's, it's, it's Super Bowl Sunday, I want to preach about playing while you're hurt. The reason I want to do that is um, my home preacher that I grew up with was a guy named Wayne Smith, and um, every, Bo- every Super Bowl Sunday, he would preach this one sermon, and it was called playing while you're hurt, and I think it's pivotal to us as we, uh, walk in Christ, there's going to be days we got to play while we're hurt. Sometimes months, sometimes years, sometimes you just don't know how long. And some of you guys went with that on the journey with us this summer where I'd gotten, where I got sick and it took several months for me to get better. And it was one of those seasons I was ready for God to be done on the first day. And he, he still had time for me to learn. And I think that's part of the process as we go through this stuff. There's things that we can do to help us, um, not to, to get better, but to help us trust Jesus. The goal is to always find Jesus in everything you do. If you're hurting, if you're fearful, if you're winning, if you're whatever, you find Jesus and realize he can change everything. Amen. Sadie's husband, Jake, has I was trying to think of somebody I could pick on, but I'm not going to, had been slipping in and out of coma for several months, yet his faithful wife stays bes- beside his be- his de- bed day and night. One night, Jake comes to the Um, to the to the bed and motions her to come closer. He says, Oh my Sadie, you have been with me through all the bad times. She shook her head. When I got fired, you were there to support me. Shook her head. When my business failed, you were there. When I got shot, this guy had a bad day. You were by my side. When we lost the house, you gave me support. When my health started failing, You were still by my side. What a sweet moment. He said, you know what, Sadie? She said, what, dear? He said, I think you're bad luck. (laughs) Sorry. Sometimes how we look at what we go through, we think it's good luck or bad luck or not fair. You know, we're Christians. And because we're Christians, that means there's going to be some days um, that we're going to have bad luck. No, we're going to have bad days. It's going to be frustrating sometimes. Even Jesus tells us that in John 16, 33. He says, "I have told you these things so that you and um, that in my present in my presence you may have peace. You will have suffering, and you in, in this world. Be courageous, for I have conquered the world." Even when you have trouble, and the scripture, it talks about it all the time, you will have trouble. I guarantee it. You know one thing you can guarantee? You'll have trouble. You're going to have bad days. I think some people think when they get baptized, that means from now on, everything is going to be roses, and it's not. Sometimes Christianity is hard. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes, how many of you have ever felt like your prayer didn't get above the roof? Anybody? With that happens. That's life. Let me tell you, my Jesus still hears. My God still hears. It says he bends down on bending knee to hear you. He's there, and all God's people say. The subject fires me up because I think sometimes we in the church, uh, we mess this. We, we tend to say, well, what did they do wrong? Why are they going through that? Well, you know what? They did nothing wrong. It's just life. Life will beat the time out of you. It's the nature of it. That's why we get heaven. And all God's people say, we got to start looking forward to heaven, y'all. And I don't think we do that enough. I don't think we're ready for the pearly gates and looking up saying, Jesus, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus. I need that every day. Because in this world, I will have trouble. Bad days will come. A couple of scriptures that I want to share with you. Let's stand up real quick. We're going to read together. Um, I'm going to two different places. So if you want to just hold it, sorry. But we're doing Romans 18, and then we're going to go over to Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Romans 8:18, 8, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. First one, Romans 8:18 8, says this. I consider that our present sufferings aren't worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says this. Therefore, let us also seeing we are compassed by about we are compassion about with so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside every weight and sin, which doth do, I got a King James Version, I'm sorry. I'm like, I didn't put that down there, right? So easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising shame and Sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Father, thanks. May we get it. May we understand it. May we work towards it. May we realize you are good. You are great. May we know what it looks like to fix our eyes on you. May we know that no matter what happens to us, we can get through it because we love you and we need you. God, just help us today find you more and more in everything we do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If I offended you about that King James thing, just tell Jeff about it. Um, (laughs) I get some of his, he gets some of mine. It's all good. Tony Dungy, who's probably one of my favorite football coaches, who I've had had the pleasure to hear speak a couple times, said this. I love coaching football, and winning a Super Bowl was a goal that I had had for a long time, but it has never been my purpose in life. My purpose in life is to glorify God. We have to be careful that we do not let the pursuit of our life's goals, no matter how important they seem, cause us to lose sight of our purpose. I coach football, but the good I can do to glorify God along the way is my real purpose. Amen? So what's your purpose? What are you living for? Sometimes we just, if I just get this done, or if I get that done, or if this this much money comes in, if I've done this right, or if I only thing you need to know is if you love Jesus with everything you have it's all going to work together in the end cuz he's the boss trust him live for him seek him some of you this morning came in here hurting i'm glad you're at the right place this should be a place where you can hurt and you can be prayed for and you can be you can be uh, talked to and you can be listened and, and we can hear what you're going through. Because we love you. We're glad you're here. And if you came in here hurting, that's okay. If you came in here happy, we're glad. Let that come at us too. No matter how you come in here, may you come in here for Jesus and let him do great things. So how do I play when I'm hurt? How do I play? Um, some of you guys know this summer I, uh, um, I went through a season where um, basically your blood level is supposed to be a 15 and my blood level was a 5. Not good. Apparently not good at all. They put me in the ICU, and six blood transfusions later, and seven days in the hospital, I, uh, I finally got to come back to Winchester. That was, my, that was my win, come back to Winchester. I was in Orlando. I don't know if that, that's a good win, but nobody, had, three people, got it. Good crowd today, all right. But the good news was that I, I realized that God's not done with me yet. I think sometimes we give up too easy. And I think some of you in here have given up too easy. God's not done. You think because you got this going on in your life or because you're hurt or your family has this situation or this thing has happened, you just, God can't use you anymore. And I'm gonna tell you in in, in love right now, stop it. God can use you because he's God and you're not. God can use you because he loves you passionately. God can use you because he's God, period we got to realize that in everything we do. So how can I play while I'm hurting? How can, how can I play when things don't go the way I want? The first one, you're not going to like me right away. It's forgive. Because here's what happens when we're hurt. We get mad. We get ticked off. We, you know, and honestly, even in the season, there was a doctor that frustrated the time out of me. And, and I was like, blah, blah, blah. anybody get mad? I had a nurse that took me off, and I was in the wrong place. And finally, God said, be an example. Show them grace, even if they don't show you that. I didn't want to hear that. Thanks, Bill, but I didn't want to say amen. I just wanted wanted to say, no, let me just tear them up one time. Let me complain on them. Let me just get frustrated for a minute. Oh, dear Jesus, let me just tell them. Give them the right hand of fellowship. Now, for the record, he never gave me that. For the record, he told me I needed to love them, and that's hard. It's hard to love people that are unlovely, that do bad things, and the best way you can do that is just realize that someone loved you when you were ugly, when you were mean, when you did the wrong things, and then that kind of puts things in order. We're going to also dance around in 1 Peter a little bit. 1 um, Peter 4.1 says this, Since Christ suffered while he was in his body, strengthen yourself with the same way of thinking Christ had. This is, some people, we read this and go, well, but he's always said this to us. He said that our minds should be like Christ Jesus. He tells us that throughout this, you should have an attitude of Christ Jesus. So what was Jesus' attitude? He loved people that that put him on the cross. He loved people that didn't like him. He even loved the, the religious idiots that talked bad behind his back. He loved everybody. That's hard for us today. That's hard for, how many of you, if, my minister, Wayne Smith, if God ever allows you to hate, you already got your list picked out. I think we do sometimes. Let's, let's, let's burn that list, shouldn't we? Because here's the deal. He's never going to give it to you. He's not. As much as you wish he would, he won't. So what you need to do right now is you need to love that person and inspire that person. It doesn't mean you have to be best friends with them. It doesn't even mean you have to. You just got to show them grace and and grace and maybe what? A little more grace. Because someone showed you that. And when you realize that, it changes your perspective. C.S. Lewis said this. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Amen? It's good stuff, right? problem is sometimes we don't want to own what we've done. I, I, had, I was at one church where a wonderful sweet man, he told me he never sinned. And I looked at him and I said, right. I said, you just did. He goes, what do you mean? I said, you're lying right now in church. And he goes, well, nothing bad. I'm like, see, there's another one. I said, you're racking them up. You want me to keep points? I said, oh, shut up, babe. Went out. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short. We're all a mess. I love the church because it can be messy. We're messy people. Don't be too shocked if somebody comes up here and they did something that you never thought you and you go, oh, don't, because you're the saint. We're all a mess. I was at a church. I, I was at a church. One of the best things that was happening in that church was I could not believe how amazing these these people were, just singing and praying and. And and raising their hands, and you just saw that it was real. And where it was kind of put me in perspective of why the church should be like this. They were in prison, they had their orange jumpsuits on, but they realized that they needed Jesus. And they cried over the stupidity that got them in there. And they cried because they got caught. Because some of us we've done the same things, we just didn't get caught. We're all a mess, y'all. Look at me. We're all a mess. And that church reminded me that I'm just, I could be wearing them, that suit too. I, I don't know why, but I'm just going to say we all a mess. We all make mistakes. We all screw up. And here's the thing. Our God, our Jesus loves us even when we do. He forgives us of that. We need to love each other. We need to, how many of you just get, you got that one person. If I said their name, you'd just be gritting your teeth together. You know who it is. Maybe it's more than one. Maybe it's two. Maybe it's a whole, whole group of people. That situation that broke you and made you mad, and every time you think about it, you feel insecure. This is what Hebrews 12:15 says. Watch out that no bitterness takes root among you, for, it is, for as, it is, as it springs up in you, causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual lives. No bitterness. Hmm. How many of you have ever been bitter? How many of you? See, and this is one thing I don't think we talk about as a church enough. I think the church is full of bitterness, honestly. And the only way that the church is going to be the church that Jesus died for is to get rid of it. That's why we, I love the altar. I say, come up here and just ask God to take it. Some of the most beautiful moments I've had at Christ Church has been people leaving stuff at that altar. I remember one guy left a pack of cigarettes and... And I didn't ask any questions. I just said, man, how many more packs you got at home? He said, shut up, Dave. One lady, um, when we were first getting started, she left. Uh, and, and Gerald made these, by the way. Isn't Gerald amazing? Amen. Yeah, he made these for our church. Amen. I love Mr. Gerald. And um, this one lady, I, she left keys. at, at the. Uh, it was a car key, and it was, it was there at the altar. And I said, uh, ma'am, you dropped your keys. She goes, no, I left it there. I said, really? She goes, that car's been making me and my husband fight for a long time. I'll leave it there. Now, I was wondering if I could get it, but I didn't ask. <laughs> I told her, I said, whenever you need the keys back, let me know. She goes, when we stop fighting. And to this day, I think we still got those keys. No, I'm joking. But sometimes you need to leave stuff up there that's hurting your marriage, stuff that's hurting your, your your workplace, stuff that's hurting your your person. When people see you, they know that you're mad and angry and you're not someone who loves Jesus. You need to let those go and all God's people say. Job 18.4 says you're only hurting yourself with your anger. You need to forgive, you all. We all need to forgive. And you know that person you need to forgive right now because when you're hurting I don't know about you all, but when I, you, you dwell on things and you think about that situation, I know when, when my son passed away, I had, there was a doctor that really made me mad and it hurt me from the inside out. And it took me a long time to just give that guy over to Jesus because I couldn't control it anymore. I needed God to take it. And there's some of you in this morning, you in here this morning, you need to give it to Jesus. You need to be honest about it. You say, God, take this hurt, take this pain, take this thing. Let's pray for a second. Father, right now, I just pray that you teach us to forgive. Lord, I ask that anybody in here is struggling with it, may they be willing, Lord, to step up here and get to your altar and give it up. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Next thing, fix your eyes on Christ Jesus. When you're hurting, the best place you can look is to Jesus. Amen. Let's, let's read this again. I think I got an NIV version this time. I don't think I picked the, <laughs> I might have, we might have to pray. Therefore, since we, have surround, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. When you fix your eyes on Jesus, you got to get rid of everything and you got to be honest about it. One of the things that I think we struggle in the church is being honest about our sin. Because being honest about our sin makes us vulnerable. It makes us, yeah. Yeah, The one I always like to pick is um, I'm struggle. i hungry all the time. I want to eat all the time. Because I know you guys can see that one because, you know, I'm on the level because my bubble's in the middle. So, thank you, Wayne. Thank you. Thank you. But I don't tell you about the one I don't want you to know or that I want you not to know. I want to make sure you don't know that one. The one I can deal with, the other one, man, it makes me look a little bit bad. We're all like that, you guys. We got just be honest to God. Just give it up. Be willing to say, God, here it is. Here's here's my gossip. Here's my uh, here's my ugliness, Lord. Here's the thing that, that, that God has taken me away from you. Here's my prejudice. Here's my hatred. Here's my selfishness. Here's my stupidity. Because we don't like to bring some of that up. And I know sometimes, even when we bring that up in church, sometimes everybody puts their head down. Just It's okay, because can I tell you the great news about God? He already knows about it. He already knows. It's good news. He knows how, how crazy you are, how bad you are, or the mistakes you made. He knows, and you know what the best part of it? He sent Jesus anyway. And you know what's even better? Jesus knew too, and he still went to the cross and still died for you, and still wants you to say, Here it is, Lord, take it to Jesus. It fires me up. The next thing says, and, and, and let us run the run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. And here it is fixing your eyes on Jesus. Different versions. Have different things. Your, fix your eyes on Christ Jesus. Set your eyes. I saw one said said, get your head clear. <laughs> That's a good one. The pioneer and perfecter of your faith. See, Jesus is the reason we can, we can be here today. He's not just the reason for the season and Christmas. He's the reason for every day I get up, for every day I walk, every day I take a deep breath, Jesus is the reason I can do that. And it tells me in this, I got to fix my eyes on him. When I wake up, when I go to bed, when I'm hurting, when I'm confused, when things don't make sense, when people act ugly, when things are dragging me down and when people are being mean, when my parents treat me like this and my kids are driving me nuts, fix your eyes on Christ Jesus and all God's people say, Y'all need to make that amen a little longer. I need some water. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody listens. That's pretty funny. And then he goes on to say, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. See, it's all about Jesus. And here's the best way you can do this, is you just need to have a strong will that says, no matter what happens to me, I'm going to trust Jesus. Now, I want to warn you, when you say that, something's going to happen to you. Life gets hard. Life will break you. It'll beat the time out of you sometimes. But you still got to trust him. You still got to let him have it. One of the uh, best well-known football coaches, Vince Labardi, said this. The difference between a successful person and others is not lack of strength, not lack of knowledge, but rather lack of will. It's getting up and saying, I'm going to trust Jesus. It's when you get knocked down, you come back up and say, I'm going to trust Jesus. It's when you're sitting at the hospital bed and you don't know why you're going through this, you trust Jesus. It's when you want to drink that sip, you know, just that last sip, it's going to be the last one, and you say no, and you throw the bottle away and you trust Jesus. It's just saying, God, you're greater than this sin that I'm struggling with. Jesus, you're greater than this bottle. Jesus, you're greater than my stupidity. God, you are great. And all God's people say. See, that's one of those we need to get, we need to work towards. It's a will to say, God, I'm going to let you get this because you're God and I'm not. Let's do this. It's saying, Jesus, you got this. And some of you this morning need to say, Jesus, you got this. Jesus, you, you got this relationship that's just broken. Jesus, you got this workplace that I hate to go to. And those people are very nice. And I'm pretty sure they're not Christians. You know. And Jesus, you got this. You even got those people. Could you just spank them for a minute? Jesus? No, we don't want to do that. You know you've prayed that before, though. You know you have. It's trusting even the in-between. 1 Peter 14 says, from now on, live the rest of your life, your earthly lives, controlled by God's will, not by human desires. That's hard, right? And how do you do it? You just start. I guarantee you will fail. I guarantee you'll make mistakes. Get up and start again. It's coming down here and saying, God, here it is. For the 117th time, here's that that fear, here's that, that sin, that thing that I keep doing and I know it's breaking your heart and I need to give it over and God, here it is again. Keep helping me give it over. Jesus, you got this. Maybe some of you in this moment need to say, Jesus, you got this. Some of you, when you when this time's over and we have a time that you can come up, you need to go to that altar and say, Jesus, I know you got this. We've got to be honest. We've got to be transparent. We've got to tell him, because he already knows he's got this. Just let him have it. Tim Tebow, who is one of my favorites, he said this, what God knows about us is more important than what others think. So if you're worried, funny thing, um, I've been doing ministry I'm an old man at this point. I don't know when it happened, but somehow, somehow I, I became an old fart. And um, I don't think I've ever said that in the pulpit. A- Annie just said amen to that, so pray for Annie. Um, but I see people who say, uh, who say things that I'm just like, I don't understand sometimes. They're, they say, well, I, I'm not ready to give it up, but when I'm ready, I'll, I'll give it up. Well, you need to get ready. When you're in ministry, you don't know what's gonna happen. I've learned that people were so close to Jesus and they didn't quite get there. And I just wanna tell you in love today, get there. It's worth it. It's 100% worth it. Don't worry about what anyone else thinks about you. I I think we do that entirely too much. Well, they think I'm this. Tebow's a perfect example. People made fun of him for some of the stuff he did. God bless him, right? Amen. He probably didn't get in the NFL because people didn't like his faith and the way he prayed. You know what? The boy's still preaching. The boy's still teaching, and God's still using him. And all God's people say, who cares what anybody else thinks? Quit it. Next thing, recognize your weakness. Recognize your weakness. In Job, it says this, put your heart right, reach out to God, then face the world again. Again. Firm and courageous, then all your troubles will fade from your memory like floods that are past and remembered no more. The two things that are most important in that little piece of scripture, the two nuggets that you need to pull out and listen to, is put your heart right and reach out to God. Put your heart right and reach out to God. I think we were well. If I go forward, everybody will know I'm a sinner. (laughs) We already know that. (laughs) Have you heard about the preacher? He's a sinner too. We are. Me and Jeff come up here and we tell you we're broken, we're a mess. We're just trying to get better. We're trying every day to live for him, and we still mess up. We all will. That's it. But sometimes that I've seen that I think is important is when we recognize our weakness, we find out somebody else has that same weakness, and we're trying all of a sudden we're helping people and it becomes a support group and it becomes an amazing, all of a sudden you realize there's other people that are going through the same thing and it's pretty cool how God does that every time. 2 Corinthians 12, nine, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in my weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. It's just that easy, and it's just that hard. If I started telling y'all my weaknesses, we'd have the longest sermon, and I never thought I'd have the longest sermon, so I'm let Jeff have that one. We're just a mess. And transparency with God is one of the most important things we can have. Last point, realize you have a team. I love Christ Church. It's been a part of my life since it started. I got to start this place. The good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm so glad that Jeff came in, and he put, he's put so many. We're so grateful to have Jeff do the things that he's done. It's been incredible. But my vision for this and Jeff's vision, we've always wanted broken people to be able to find Jesus here. We wanted people to, that struggle to be able to know that they got the love of their life in Christ Jesus. We wanted a team that, that reaches our community together, that works together and that lifts each other up. And how many of you ever been to a church that that people were jerks at? You might be a one right now. It may even be me sometimes. But here's the reality I need you to know. It's okay. Keep working at it. Because eventually, there's one guy in my ministry. I won't go to say his name because, well, I I just can't. I probably want to, but I shouldn't. And he got on my last nerve. You ever know somebody who just gets on your last nerve? I just, he, I felt like he was mean. I thought he just, just all the time. And I caught myself always thinking about how I just wish he'd leave. I just, I didn't like him. He, when he came in the church door, I wanted to walk the other way. It was just one of those situations. And it took me a long time. It, it actually. He eventually left, and I praised God, (laughs) and I was wrong. I'm I'm being honest with you. (laughs) I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Sometimes in church, we like those blessed subtractions. And uh, then I saw his son. I didn't want his his son to leave. His son was a good boy. And he he hugged me and and told me he missed church, and and I realized I, I messed up because I let this one situation take me away from all these good situations. And now if I see the guy, I try to tell him I love him, and I try to say, you have a great son. <laughs> just being awesome. I mean, just being awesome. Being honest. I'm being awesome, too, but I'm being honest. Helen Keller said, alone we can do so little. Together, we can do so much. We're a team. And if we work as a team, it, it changes things. We build each other up. One of my goals as you come in this place that you feel encouraged, that you feel loved on, that you feel grace, that you know the hope that we have together. And if, you get, if you're having a bad day, that's great. You're at the right place. You've got people that will love on you. If things aren't going good, tell us so we can pray for it. That's what this team can do. We've got a team that is incredible. Sometimes what has happened in the church today is we beat our team up. If, they, if they're not doing something, we want, them to, we want to do what they're doing. So if we want to do what they're doing, we beat them up so we can do what they're doing, and then we didn't even like it in the first place. Quit it. Love on each other. Take care of one another. Look out for each other. 1 Peter 4, 8 through 9 says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love, love covers a multitude of sins. Offer, hospitality. Hospi- I can't even get it out. Hospitality, thank you, to one another. Thank you, Bill. Love each other deeply.
1: That last part, hospitality, that means
0: we got we to gotta do life together. We break bread together. We love each other deeply. Some of us are, that's our gift. Some of us, we got to work at it. And if you got to work at it, that's okay. The greatest thing a church can do is love each other in spite of each other. It can work through each other and and pray for one another. We should know, you know, we, we come to church and everybody's like, you're doing good? I'm doing great. Great, good to see you. then we go home. Next Sunday, same thing. And then all of a sudden, Monday or Thursday or one day, you find out that the couple who was doing great on Sunday is getting a divorce. And they never were able to be comfortable enough in the church to say, pray for my marriage. We have a team. And some of you need to put your, your marriage on that altar today and let people start praying for you. And I know you worry about what people think, but let me tell you, if someone in here Let's that out. We'll, we'll I want to say we'll whip them, but we'll definitely tell them not to do that anymore. <laughs> I shouldn't say we're gonna beat people up in the pulpit. Well, Jeff's not here. I'll go ahead and say it. <laughs> Easy, Bill. Bill's gonna get me in trouble. Here it is, and this is what I want to tell you. Some of you have things in your life that you need people to pray for, and you're you're scared to tell anyone because you're worried what people think. When you're a sinner among sinners, you know, one of the things that worked the most in groups like AA, I got to go to a couple of those things um, when I was in Tennessee, because my, my best friend, who, who's a minister, who had to leave the ministry because he was an alcoholic. And so I went with him to a couple of these meetings. And you know, the, the greatest part of those, they just, they don't feel judgment towards each other. They just love each other because they've done the same stupid thing. It's the same thing that happens in church. We just don't admit. we're. When was the last time, maybe we should all come for hi, I'm Dave, and I'm a sinner. And everybody says, hey, I know who went. No, I'm kidding. That's it. That's what you do. That's how it works. Because we're family. And we don't say, oh, did you hear about? We say, man, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to love them through it. I'm going to love them through it. He, Hebrews 10.25, you should start... You should not stay away from your church meetings. Meet together. Instead, meet together and encourage each other. Some people say, well, uh, just because I don't go to church doesn't mean I'm I'm not a Christian. And there's I get it. But can I tell you in love you need the church? I need the church. We need the church. And you need to be here. We need to be family together. And I know the church has hurt you. And I know maybe you're watching at home and say, you don't know what my church did. And you're right, I don't. And maybe some of you are in here and say, you don't know the way the church is. You know what? I do know the way the church is, but I know that Jesus is better. And when Jesus is better, he can help us live with each other in spite of each other. 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other, passing on to others God's blessing. When I went through all this, it started like I think way back in April, and eventually got really bad at the end of May. But I remember coming out on the front porch, and I and I saw Doug and and, and Evan, Evan, Ethan, putting up a railing for me in my at my house, so I have something to hold on to when I walk out. That's the church. They just did it. They may have contacted Amy, I don't know, but they just did it. <laughs> we need to be that kind of church. We need to look out for each other. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus says this. Come to me if you are weary and overburdened, and I will give you rest. Some of you need to come up today, and you need to be honest. The greatest example in my life of true Christianity was my grandfather, I called him Papaw. He was the guy that, um, (laughs) he dropped my dad a little crazy. My dad was ready to eat and my Papaw was ready to pray for the food. He was sweet, he's tender. He He never talked harshly that I know of, that I ever saw and he always loved Jesus. He had a horrible disease called Lou Gehrig's disease. And um, I was in Bible college, and, and he, was, he was getting sicker. And um, I tried to talk to him, and I didn't talk to him enough. But, you know, I, the one thing I know for sure, this is what he told me. Let me just tell you this, man. When I had a chance to talk to him, but he, went, he was going to Florida, and he said, Tell your Uncle Everett about Jesus. He didn't say, pray that I get better. He didn't say, pray this will leave me. He he said, tell your Uncle Everett about Jesus. He put it on me. Uncle Everett was hard. (laughs) But when I told him that, my papa said, he listened about Jesus because my papa lived it. Romans eight eighteen. I consider that our present, present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. He had Lou Gehrig's disease, and the one thing that I asked was that we read this scripture, and we read it, and uh, even though he was weak, in his hands, you could almost see the bones, and his face was just a shell of what he used to be. Tell your uncle about Jesus. I want to be that. I want to work towards that. We all need to tell people about Jesus and all God's people say. Stand with me and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you know there are people right now that that felt a call to get up here and they're not going to because they're worried about what other people say. May they not worry. May we not even give them reasons to worry. May we just get up here. May we pray over each other. May we watch out for one another. May we we love you, Lord, with everything we have. Jesus, may we realize that no matter what we're going through, we can play while we're hurt because we get you. Heaven's the goal. This earth isn't. May we know that. May we live for that. May we strive for that. I pray for the people in here whose relationships are struggling, and I lift them before you. I pray, Father, for the people that are in here and their their health is not great. Lord, I pray for the people in here who just completely forgot how great you are. May they figure that out. May we all realize that, Jesus, we love you and we need you. May we fix our eyes upon you. May we give you all the glory. And may we do all of this, Father. In the most holy name of Jesus, we pray and all God's people say.